I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode is brought to you by City Index. You shouldn't have to pay a premium for the most exciting market opportunities. Start trading the biggest companies for less with City Index's commission-free U.S. share CFDs. Go long or short with $0 commission on Apple, Amazon and our full range of US markets both in and out of hours. Visit cityindex.com to try a risk-free demo account today. City Index, invested in your success. All trading involves risk. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Well, hello, hello. It's the 6th of September, 2022. This is the COB, the stuff you need to know about markets and business. Everything of interest. Uh, I'm Nadine Blaney, and I'm here with David Scott. Um, Scotty, big day, big day when it comes to the RBA. Yeah, uh, not a lot of surprises. Probably on the uh, the margin, I'd say a little bit more hawkish uh, than what many were anticipating. Just a few you know, phrases they use when it comes to the outlook for, uh, for wage inflation in particular. A committed to getting inflation uh, down to uh, the target band as well as mentioned a couple of times repeatedly. So, yeah, but uh, all things being equal, uh, another 50, the fourth in a row, and uh, signaling that uh, whilst we're probably approaching that neutral policy setting, that's not going to be sufficient to go and bring inflation down. So more to come. Yeah, well, you know, we were expecting that 50 basis point hike, bringing the rate to 2.35%. Now the conversation is about does the RBA risk a hard landing, uh, a policy mistake if it doesn't start to slow from here, given the lag that the very blunt instrument that is interest rate, um, you know, changes is. Uh, what do you think? Um, because, you know, the, the RBA itself did acknowledge that there's a very narrow path, uh, you know, to keep this economy on what they called an even keel. That's a quote. Yeah, well, I think my thoughts have been pretty clear over the course of the last few months. I think the RBA will overdo it. I think a lot of the central banks will overdo it, just given the accumulation of debt levels that we've seen over the last uh, last couple of decades. Uh, it's a laggard effect, as you mentioned, and that's why I don't think we're going to see any real impact, a meaningful impact outside the other soft economic indicators such as surveys and everything else until probably later on this year. And I'll probably provide the RBA some food for thought, given we've got quite a sizable break between meetings over that uh, summer period. So we'll see. But uh, yeah, look, at the moment, uh, it's doling out 50s. Uh, look forward to seeing what the governor has to go and say on Thursday evening. Might go and set the agenda. At this stage, you know, markets kind of erring towards the likelihood we'll see a 25 basis point hike. Maybe we'll get a, a 40 come through, get us to 275 and back on those quarter point moves. One can only hope. Yeah, it makes it easier, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, so Philip Lowe speaks this week um, before we leave macro for now. Uh, don't forget, we've got the Bank of Canada, we've got the ECB this week, and we have like seven, I think. I, th- I counted it with Martin Crabb from um, Sean Partners at the end of the day. You know, I think seven 
Fed speakers, all FOMC members this week. Funny that in the wake of uh, Jerome Powell's speech last week. Uh, no big data on the U.S. tonight. It's well, it's a services ISM that we can look forward to getting a that's, bit of a read. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, especially when it comes to the economy now, and particularly the the situation in terms of workers. So we'll be keeping an eye out for that one. Um, but also, we had net exports. Okay, coming in today up by 1% on Q2. So that was slightly ahead of consensus expectations, I think. Uh, the current account balance for the Q2 sitting at plus $18.3 billion. Don't forget we get we get GDP tomorrow. We do, the national accounts. Uh, no, well and truly more than two months after the, uh, the last day in the quarter, we go and receive them. It's old news. Uh, there's not gonna be a lot of new information in there. It's a highly dynamic economic environment right now. I think probably one of the most important things we'll look at is uh, probably the nominal GDP. Uh, that will give us a sense as to what's going on with income levels in particular and the tax base and also household savings. How much has that been run down further? How much uh, less are we saving of our income given uh, clear cost of living pressures? I think for me, that'll be the, the big two. It looks like all things being equal now. The only thing that will save it from being a kind of mediocre outcome compared to where we we're talking about a couple of days ago will be a massive increase coming through in our household services consumption. And of course, we don't find out that figure until 11.30 when the actual national accounts are released. This is true. Now, um, I think that oil and Russia turning off gas is also a big unknown, you know, perhaps that markets were digesting today around the region. We also saw Japan's market finishing in negative territory. Although, uh, you know, there were times in the day that US E-minis were looking pretty punchy, pretty good. Um, so as we're recording this, NASDAQ and S&P 500 E-minis are both higher. In terms of um, how we saw, you know, the day expressed on the market, well, yeah, we did see some small gains for uh, the energy names, uh, Woodside and Santos. Um, but, you know, it was a pretty big day yesterday for some of those companies. So a little bit um, more muted reaction to everything going on in oil markets and energy. I mean, oil energy. We had OPEC plus through the overnight period. But it's it's really that concern about Russia turning off gas supplies to Europe. What's going to happen in Europe? I know you wrote a little view on it in the COB newsletter today, for those of you who don't get the newsletter. Um, yeah, it, it's just a really hard sort of, well, it's a conundrum. It's a conundrum for, you know, the globe. How Europe will cope with these en rising energy prices. It, it's it's a sort of a foregone conclusion. I'm getting, getting the feeling now that the ECB will hike by 75. Yeah, uh, look, uh, it's 50 or 75. Uh, either way, it's going to be one of the biggest moves we've ever seen from the central bank in its history. Uh, whether it's going to solve the issue is, uh, is, is, is highly unlikely. Uh, indeed, it's just going to probably exacerbate the, the problems that we're already experiencing across the continent. As, as for that view that I wrote about today, like it's the last thing I'm going to go say in it for a while because I've written about it recently as well. But just want to reinforce the point that uh, for me personally, I want to go and see the transition to clean and green technologies go and take place. But I have a horrible feeling that we're just rushing things at this point in time when we don't really need to and we're going to send ourselves straight into the kind of scenario that we're talking about in other parts of the world. And from a community perspective, getting people on board to go and help with this transition uh, by hiking their energy costs, making them power blackouts, uh, bringing economic misery to a lot of people, 
is not the way they're going to do it. In fact, it's quite the opposite. So I think the government here, given well how lucky we are with our energy security and our energy wealth, needs to go and tread very, very carefully moving forward. Yeah, it needs to have a tough conversation with some of the gas exporters as well, I reckon. Um, look, we had the banks mostly lower. We had the big miners lower by the end of the session, except for Fortescue Metals. I teched it all right today, actually. Um, go figure. And we are, yeah, watching, as I've mentioned already, the S&P ASX 200 closing down by four-tenths of a percent, 6,826. A couple investor days today. Propac comes to mind and SciTech Pivot comes to mind. I had a chat with the guys at AL Capital about Institech Pivot and South32, actually. You can access that, uh, well, on our website, osbiz.com.au, for those of you who don't go there regularly. Um, via the show notes, uh, given the RBA, we do have a little chat with Luke Laird of that you did, some property stocks. He thinks they're still gonna perform well, even if we do see, uh, you know, price of housing falling and the market slowing. Yeah, the market is very forward-looking and uh, they've been exceptionally quick to go in pricing uh, a lot of bad times ahead for a lot of property players out there at the moment. Uh, as I mentioned as well when I was summing off uh, that chat with Luke, that uh, a lot of the input costs that are coming through, particularly for the construction firms, have dropped quite substantially over recent months. Now, that's going to go and feed through to the bottom line. It's going to go and help to boost margins. Should they be able to go and retain uh, their pricing power. So keep a close eye on those. Uh, he came up with three names on the uh, potential list to go and look at. I'm not going to reveal them, but so uh, yeah, pretty household names and uh, maybe staple for everyone's portfolio. Yeah, so that's available via the show notes. You've got me thinking about a chat I did with um, Stephen Scott from Pack Partners today on the small caps. He thinks that there's cause for optimism on the inflation front for small cap investors. So you can find that on the website as well. Um, yeah, as I was saying though, pretty quiet on the corporate front. Magellan was out with yet another update on FUM, funds under management, and yet further outflows. So that was the stock of the day. David Kosh, Koshi, sat down with his guests to discuss that one. Let's take a listen to what had, they had to say. We may look back in the year's time, mate, at a, with a $50 share price and say, gee, September 2022 would have been a great time to buy. Yep. We could also be looking at a $6 share price. This time next year saying, gee, glad we missed this one. I think you want to keep an eye on it. Really strong brand, really strong business, good quality people. You just want to make sure those funds actually start to come back. Yep. And there's a reasonable expectation they will continue to rise. Those two criteria aren't met just yet in my mind. But yes, I agree, Scott. It, uh, in general, with fund managers, uh, it's gonna, it, it, if it does come back, it'll be a long road back, most likely. Um, they are optimistic with the uh, options that they've issued to existing shareholders at 30-something, I can't remember off the top of my head, dollars a share. I'll worry about it when the time gets a bit closer. Right. But, yeah, they're obviously <laughs> trying to keep us, keep us in place and keep us watching the business. And that's what the guys at Team Invest and The Motley Fool had to say about Magellan. Look, not a ringing endorsement, Scotty. I've had so many conversations with, well, with either investment professionals or fundies themselves that say follow the money when it comes to investing in these fund managers. And clearly there's that one direction happening right now when it comes to Magellan. Yeah, yeah, some pretty big bets uh, on the Chinese market in particular and, uh, and some of those you know, highly concentrated funds that uh, have not paid off. And yeah, we can see the, uh, it's been an ugly performance recently mm -hmm. across not only for uh, Magellan, but a lot of those wealth managers. So yeah, now that's maybe a part of the other market that, that could do with a turnaround story, but uh, no sign of that happening just yet. 
Not yet. Too soon. Too soon. Okay, so tomorrow we already mentioned that we're going to be discussing the national accounts, GDP. I think we'll be keeping an eye on the lithium miners as well. We had a couple of broker notes out on the lithium uh, plays, and uh, they had a really good day off the back of that. I had a chat with uh, Martin Crabb from Sean Partners about lithium, actually about the whole energy complex and how you should be considering it um, being built into your portfolio, both the poison and the cure he says, in this inflationary environment for your portfolio. What yeah, are you going to say? We all need a good dose of energy. <laughs> um, now, uh, other than that, I don't have any big corporate um, news on the horizon, but um, again, we'll be digesting a lot of what's happening in the macro, how that is influencing equities, and we'll be discussing it all to start with Kenny Polcari from Slatestone right at 8.30 Eastern. Hope you can join us for that. Given what we're seeing in lithium, we'll be speaking with a small cap in the space, Winsome Resources. That's also sort of first thing in the morning. And the day goes on. I'll be chatting with Dazi from Sean Partners at 10 to get some stock picks from him and get his view on the equity market and where it's heading from here. And yeah, I mean, it, it looks like it's going to be yet another good day. But, again, but, you know, with this overhang of central banks and inflation not going away. Exactly right. It seems to be that uh, perpetual story at the moment and it's making things tricky. So that's why you should be listening in, watching in as well uh, over the course of the day. Have plenty of ideas about how to go and play it. A lot of smart minds trying to go and get the best out of your portfolio for you. So make sure you go and take a listen. Okay. The Aussie dollar holding steady as we speak after that RBA hike. Um, look, our focus turns to Europe. There's not a big amount. Uh, there's no data that I could really of note that I could see coming out in Europe tonight, but again, prepping for that ECB communique. And uh, yeah, still paying attention to China, still paying attention to what's happening in terms of, uh, you know, lockdowns and potential stimulus. And, you know, I keep thinking the National People's Congress is way later this year, but I keep forgetting we're also, you know, first week of September. So it's actually not that far away now. No, not at all. One. I was speaking with a, a very, a very, very, smart and influential uh, finance figure yesterday and uh, they were telling me that what would happen if there was no uh, change to COVID zero stance and uh, what if there was no uh, vaccine uh, breakthrough that was coming through uh, and their thoughts were that those are the tail risks, the fat tail risks that the market has not yet come to grips with. Uh, let's hope that doesn't go down that path. We know how important China is when it comes to uh, the global economy and our own fortunes here locally. If, uh, if that was to go and take place, well, that would be not great news at all. A few parting words as I say goodbye to you from the departing British Prime Minister Boris Johnson saying that the country will continue and we have, it says we have and will continue to have economic strength. Boy, currencies are getting interesting, particularly the euro and the sterling. But that's, that's <laughs> an yeah. Yeah. The, the pound doesn't suggest so. No, <laughs> Anything I saw somebody put on Twitter pounded. today. Yeah, it's an emerging markets currency, the way things are going. Um, Scotty, let's yeah. let's call it a day. I hope you have a good night. You too. I'll see you tomorrow, God willing. It's supposed to be like a Noah's Ark kind of weather here in Adelaide tomorrow. So, yeah, think of me in the morning when I'm trying to go and swim my way into the office. Oh, yeah, I'll be playing the world's largest violin for you there, Scotty, knowing that it's on its way to Sydney. See ya. Bye.